Great. Now, this morning, as you may be seen on social media, and I've seen a couple of messages out, that, um, that we're starting with a new sermon series this morning on At the Well. At the Well. And if you don't know what it's all about, don't worry, I'm going to explain it. And I'm, I'm going to speak about wells in the Bible. What's the significance of a well? Now, I'm really excited about this series because 18 months ago, God started speaking to me um, during a very intense time that our family went through, where we had to really listen to God's voice in terms of our purpose, where, we, where He needs us to be in life or roll out ministry in our lives. And, and it's an intense time. I don't know if you've ever been to a time in your life where you have to, you have to make life decisions and, and you know that I don't want to make the wrong decision in this time. Because I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear His purpose in life. And, and I, I remember so well, I was in one evening service in a different church. I was sitting there and, and God started speaking to me very, very clearly. And He showed me one picture. He showed me a picture of a well. And the picture was a well in biblical times in a desert. And I walked up to the well and I looked into the well and it was dry. And I thought... Oh Lord, that's exactly how I feel at the moment. How many of you have been to a place where you feel dry, just inside out sometimes? You just feel, Lord, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to read my Bible. I feel dry in my relationship with you. I don't know, I don't know which way to go around this thing, but this is exactly how I feel. And God spoke so clearly to me. He said the following, He said, Henny, this well represents my intimacy with you. I want you to dig deeper. And that's what he said. And I was waiting for more. I was like, okay, Lord, how, do you, um, how am I going to do this? Am I, how do I do this? And I made the notes and I, I, I just wrote down the, the, the prophetic word that I got. And, but since then, for the last 18 months, a year and a half, God has been on and off speaking to me about wells, and he's busy unpacking the revelation about a well. I don't know if you've ever seen something or heard something and you heard this word and God is busy unpacking this thing. Every, every now and then, every second or third or fourth day, I get back to something about a well. Something about a water source. Something about something about exactly what God has been speaking to me about. Well, for the next couple of weeks, I want to look into the Word and look at amazing stories about miracles and revelations that happen at a well in the Bible. And there's so many of them. I was shocked when I go, went through the Word and it took me about three, four days just to go through all the Word. I'm actually still busy chewing on some of them that I realized, like, I've never known that there were so many scriptures and so many stories in the Old and New Testament about a well. What happened at a well? Now before we dive into this, let me first sketch a picture. Or give us a bit more context on what I want to speak about in this next couple of weeks. Now today is just an intro. I want to give us a context and an intro and then touch on something. And then in the, and then in the next couple of weeks, I want to dive into certain topics that relate to intimacy with God and the well that's within us. You with me? Great. So, 
Now, I don't know about you, but if you know what the significance of a well in biblical times was, but not just the significance of it, the prophetic meaning for people and for us today. Now, to be honest, I don't like to always say this, but I think believers, as a general, don't know really what the intimacy with God is. They don't know. Every time I speak about intimacy with God, I catch myself in thinking of like, but Lord, what does it really look like? What does it really look like? You see, our children grow up in an intimacy world or a world of intimacy that when they hear intimacy, it's sexual. Now, it is right. That's part of the definition. But that's the only thing our generation knows about intimacy. So whenever you speak to children about intimacy, they think, how can I have a sexual relationship with God? I'm honest. You see, that's exactly not what intimacy with God is. It's an intimate place. But see, true intimacy in the following, in the Oxford Dictionary, says the following. It says close familiarity or friendship. If you open the definition for intimacy, the first thing you get is this. Close familiarity or friendship with someone. The second one, a sexual union. So it doesn't take out that intimacy doesn't mean sexual union. Yes, it does. But from the basis of familiarity and friendship, that's what intimacy really is. You see, if you think about intimacy and you think about relationships and you think about a marriage... What is the true definition, the true foundation of any marriage is friendship. What is the true foundation of any of, of, of the, our relationship with God needs to start with a deep friendship. And as I'm reading through this and as I'm looking at the place of intimacy with the Father, it is true friendship with Him. Look what John 15 says. The following. It says, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. Now he says, If your words of you remain in me, that means that if you understand my heart, if you see me who I am, this other new, new definition of intimacy, it's into me see. I don't know if you heard about that. Into me see. It's not a dictionary definition. But sometimes when you speak about intimacy with someone, you can see in them. You can look in them. You know their heart. You know their desires. You know who they are. It's like my friend. My, one of my best friends. He said, Henny, you're not my friend. I said this before. You're not my friend if you don't know how I drink my coffee or how I eat my steak. <laughs> you see, that's true friendship. I know him. But he says... But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted to you. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. But look at verse 15. I love this. No longer do I call you slaves because a master doesn't confine in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father has told me. See, Christ comes and He says that if you remain in me and my words remain in you. You see, what is His words? His words is life to us. So when He 
His life becomes part of our lives. There's fruit. Fruit becomes part of our lives. But then he says, I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friends. You see, we are not slaves in his life. We are called friends of God. We call, I am a friend of God. There's songs about it, and if I speak about friendship with God, and I go to people like Abraham, the Shunammite woman, and I show you how friendship with God brought about miracles, because they had true intimacy with the Father. You see, slaves don't know the affairs of their masters. They just work, and they say, yes, sir, and they get paid, and they go home. That's what they do. But see, God wants to bring us into a relationship with Him. He wants to bring us into that relationship with the friendship where He can share His words, His intimate thoughts with us. How many of us want to know the intimate thoughts that God has for us? I long for that. Lord, I want to hear you every day. I want to hear your intimate thoughts for us or for me. You see, God doesn't have to put out bait for us to spend time with Him. Let me lure you in with cool stuff, you know. I'll bless you whenever you... No, God doesn't have to do it. Instead, God is looking for a deeper relationship with us every day of our lives. Whenever you experience intimacy and friendship with your Father, you want to be there with Him. Whenever you have a best friend and something incredible in your life happens, what do you want to do? I want to call my best friend, which is my wife. When you're married, when you're not married, you have best friends. But you want to share whatever you have, that ever great things, sad things, whatever happened in your life, you want to share with your friend. See, it's a place of intimacy, familiarity. I know you. See, me and my wife, she, my wife can look at me and I know every look has, has a, com, a, a communication with it. <laughs> if she looks at me like this, I know I'm in trouble. If she looks at me at this, I, I know she wants a hug. You know, I mean, it's just amazing how a look can change things. But that's familiarity. I'm familiar with her. I see her every day. She's my friend. Now, you see, even Adam and Eve... When they sinned in the garden, we see God's true heart for them. Look at this. It says the following. Genesis 3 verse 8 to 9. Just when Adam and Eve sinned, and they realized they sinned, they ate of the fruit. And verse 8 says, When the cool evening breeze were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So Adam and Eve sinned. They realized they've sinned. And they heard God walking in the garden, cool of the evening. So they, what did they do? They hid from the Lord God among the trees. But look at verse 9. Well, listen to verse 9. It says, Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? See, although God know they sin, God is almighty, He's all-knowing. He knew their sin. What did he do? He came looking for them. What did, what did they do? They hid from God. Why? Because they had condemnation on them. They, they felt ashamed about the sin. See, because he created us for relationship and friendship, God longs for that deeper, 
intimate relationship with us. No matter if we sin, no matter what is in our lives, God will look for us because that is His longing. He wants that. He wants a deeper relationship with us. He don't care about this. And even today, after the cross, even so much more, Jesus paid for it. So many believers sin and all of us keep on doing what Adam and Eve did. We run and we hide. I mean, I've worked with so many young men and, and women all my life and for the last 15 to 20 years. I know exactly when something's wrong. <laughs> how, Henny? How, how do you know that? Uh, easy. They don't, they don't call me that much. They don't arrive for discipleship meetings. They don't, they don't want to have coffee that much. They, they try to hide whenever they see me. I mean, it's easy to see. Because I know something is wrong. There's sin and condemnation. There's shame that keep them from a loving, intimate friendship that we need to have. See, all God wants to do is to find us and comfort us. Why? Because He wants intimate friendship with us. Now, before I go on and speak about intimacy during this series, I want to make one thing clear. It's very important to understand that we are not created with the sole purpose to perform to get to a place of intimacy. We're not. If any husband tries to grow in his relationship through works, he will fail. If I try to grow my relationship with my wife by working at it, I, listen, honestly, I need to work at it. <laughs> I need to do things. But if I only rely on the performance in my relationship to let it grow, I'm going to miss the true intimacy. There's love. There's acceptance. There's more than just works. If my wife sit down and just wait for me to do things before she give anything in a relationship, it's going to be a very strenuous relationship. We need to not perform, but through relationship, encounter and pursue each other. That's, that's what true intimacy is. Does it make sense? You see, the moment we try to perform in a relationship, we fail, especially with God. She had his son pay and perform so that we can be free. And that we can freely pursue God. What a price to pay to have true intimacy with your creation. You see, we see so many occurrences in the word where it speaks about wells. I want to draw the correlation between intimacy and wells for you. Now, before I need to do that, I want to show you in biblical times, that wells were the source of life. It was the source of life to people. But it was also a place of intimacy with God, spiritually. Now, one of the prophetic meanings for water in Scripture means salvation and eternal life. Did you know that? If you look at water, one of the prophetic descriptions of water is salvation and eternal life. One of them. There's a lot but one of them were used to salvation and eternal life. Now, at one instance in the gospel, Jesus sat at a well and he looked at a Samaritan woman. And what did he say? Say, give me a drink of water and I'll give you water that you'll never get thirsty again. Living water, he called it. Now, John 7, verse 37, Jesus, he stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow 
rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. You see, just like the wells in biblical times, our source of life to people is a place of intimacy with God. It's a source of life for us. That place of intimacy where streams of living water will flow out of you. Within us is a well. And that well is a place of intimacy that we find more of God. He says that if you are thirsty, come and drink from me, from my life. And streams of living water will flow from you. Now let me give you a, a few interesting facts about wells. When I started looking about wells in the Bible, it actually amazed me. It amazed me of how much a well was the center of everything. Now, I've got about seven points that I want to run through and I want to show you exactly. Now, before I do this, I want you to keep in mind of the correlation I just pulled of a well connected with the intimacy that we have with God. Okay? So as I go through, look at the correlation. Number one, the daily lives of people in biblical times involved water from a well. Their lives consisted of, of it. They didn't have taps in a home and they just turned it and water came out. They had to go and get it. They had to do agriculture with it. They had to do farming, feeding their livestock. They had to cook with it. Personal hygiene was related to if I have water or not. They had to drink it. They had to be nourished. You see, so too in our Christian walk does intimacy have an impact of everything in our lives. If, if, if we speak about foundations in our lives as Christians, I think the most important foundation of everything is where's your intimacy with the Father. Because out of a place of intimacy with the Father, that place of friendship, that place of telling Him everything, that place of spending time with Him in the Word, out of that foundational place, everything will flow. Number two, a well was always placed in centralized locations. So that why? So that it was accessible to everyone. See, just like God's presence, always easily accessible. If you feel far from God, His presence are with you. He's always with you. When He said in, in Matthew um, 28 verse 19, says, go and make disciples of all nations and teach them everything that I've commanded you. And it says, and lo, I will be always, I will be with you always. Always. That was his last promised decree to the disciples as he ascended into heaven. I will be with you always. I always believe that God's presence are a prayer away. That Jesus help me. I need you. That far. Closer than arm length. Sometimes when I pray, I, I, remind, I, I imagine myself laying on in his arms, on his chest. That's how close Jesus is to us. Number three, most wells had a cover. I don't know if you know about it. It wasn't just an open hole in the middle of a desert. They made a well, they dug that well, and we're going to go into that in the weeks to come. How did they do it and what was the, what was the significance of that? But as they dug the well, they couldn't keep it open. They had to put a cover over it. Why? To keep it clean. They had to keep the well clean. They had to keep 
stuff from falling in there. Keep it hygienic. You see, we always need to protect and keep our intimacy with the Father covered. We need to keep our intimacy covered. Because if we keep it open and we, we handle it as anything else, we're not going to find the true source of life through the water that God gives us. So when I dive into the intimacy with God, it is a very special place that I keep covered. You see, in, in old Jewish times, they kept a bride covered for her husband. Till the moment they got wed, they took the veil off. And she became his. That's a special place. It's a place of cover. I can go into that, but I'm not going to go today. So wells were covered for a reason. They had to protect the water source. They had to protect that place of intimacy. Number four, wells were a sign of wealth. You were wealthy if you had a, a well. Every family who owned a well was seen as wealthy in a, in a community. The more wells meant more wealth. Now in Deuteronomy 6, when God promised the Israelites the land of milk and honey, we all know about it, He spoke about a land that had riches and wells already dug. It means that it is so rich with everything, there's even wells that's already dug. No work, no toil, you can just go and get the water. It's a sign of wealth in our lives when we have intimacy with the Father. See, we receive true riches of life when we find a place of intimacy with God. You receive the riches of life. I don't know if you sat with the Father and you meditate on the Word and, and you, somebody, I mean, whenever you spend time with God, you receive riches, emotional riches, physical riches. There's so much richness that comes from our intimacy or place of intimacy with the Father. Have you experienced a place like that before? You see, it's a good question to ask us. That's like, Lord, have I experienced the riches? The riches of that place of intimacy with you. You see, to have a well of God, that's whenever we, are, we, we, we come to a place of salvation, God comes and gives us a new spirit. You remember we preached about that a week ago. God gives us a new spirit, but then sometimes in our spirit, there's a well that needs to sprung up. And that's why it's so necessary for us to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that when we pray in the Holy Spirit, when we pray and, and when we engage the Holy Spirit, that well comes up and riches of God's goodness, His grace, His mercies, comes up and flow through our lives. I sat with a friend in Somerset West, just after you with Gary, and, and he prayed and he saw a couple, and he just said, I just believe God wants me to go and speak to them. So we went over, before we went, and we go and went, that's what Gary does. <laughs> yeah. You go and fetch their bill, and then he paid for it, and then when they wanted to leave, they couldn't believe that somebody paid their bill, and he walked over and said, I just wanted to feel that God said, I. and the woman was looking at me and Gary, and she said, well, I just, I just, I was looking at you the whole time, you were sitting there, and I just saw this light around you. You are so amazed, it's just something different about you. Said yes, yes. <laughs> because we, we, we make time to spend time in a place of intimacy with God. 
And we had a great conversation. I had a couple of great conversations that, that afternoon. And, and it's just amazing how when we fellowship together, we have a place of intimacy. You see, we need to long for that place of rich intimacy with the Father. Number five, well served as a social gathering place in biblical times. Do you know that? You see, travelers came to stop. And at that time, to draw from any well was actually unlawful. You could get punished by law if you just draw from a well. You had to see who the owner was, ask permission to draw. But travelers always came around, they saw a well, and they waited till the owners came around. And they asked, can I have a drink of water? Can I feed my camels? That's why Jesus waited till the Samaritan lady came. So many instances you'll see in the next couple of weeks how amazing it is. But it was a social gathering place. Families who owned the wells gathered there in the mornings and the evenings. That's where they came to wash. That's where they came to gather. That's, it was a social gathering place where they saw travelers, people that came along, where they met people. You see, just as, as we grow in our relationship with God during family fellowship in church, it's a family gathering. It's a social gathering in church. There's church events, there's prayer events, that in that event, in that moment, we grow in our relationship and our intimacy with the Father. We come closer to the well where we gather together. That's why we have coffee. That's why we gather. That's why we believe in fellowship. That's why Bri is from God. That's why the Cape Townians have Binnabrais. So that we can bry when it rains. <laughs> you see, it's a social gathering place. We receive life and we receive encouragement in social gatherings in family. You see, that's why I have a value to come to church on Sundays. Because I believe that's where I receive true riches. That's where, I may, where my intimacy with God grows. That's where my relationship with Him goes to a deeper place. That's why I don't... I mean, we've got a value. I grew up with that value. And whenever I went in ministry, I still had that value. But we create a value that says, oh, where, where, am I, where am I on Sundays? I go to church. And it's not because I'm religious. It's just because I see that it has such an impact in my life. Together with others, it grows my relationship. It feeds me the Word. It encourages me when I had a bad week. And there's no law or, or, or works on it connected. There's times where we can't gather. And that's also fine. But it's such a value for us as a family. And I know that that's exactly where God comes and builds us. Now I'm not saying that is more important than our place alone with God. Because that's a place where true intimacy are grown. But wherever we gather, it adds to the intimacy. It adds to the revelation. It adds to the encouragement. But first have your intimacy alone. First dig that well on your own. On your own. On your knees. In the word. In prayer. But then come and be infused. Come and like, like uh, Paul said to Timothy. Fan into flame. The gift that God has given you already. How do we do that? With others. Encouragement. Fellowship. And in the word alone. On your knees. And number six, wells were also used as landmarks. 
It was the maps of the Old Testament. There were that well, Abraham's well, Jacob's well. All the wells were landmarks where people knew how to navigate themselves. You see, just as the wells gave direction and clarity to where travelers had to go, so do our place and intimacy gives us direction in life. Do you need direction in life? Go to a place of intimacy with the Father. Find Him. Go look for Him. Go stand at the well so that God can show you, this is where I need to go. See, God will show you, will show us the way to find true purpose and calling from a place of intimacy. Look at what Romans 12, 2, 2 says. We all know the scripture so well. He says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by, by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, if I'm in relationship with the Father, I spend time with Him. So the voice that I'm listening to is His first. That's why Paul said, don't listen to the world, man. Rather incline your ear to God. So that when you listen to Him in that place of intimacy, at the well, you'll know exactly what your purpose in life is. You'll know exactly where to go. See, it was a landmark to know that's the direction in our lives. When you need direction in your lives, go and sit with the Father. Number seven, wells were a place of courtship. It was a place of courtship. Most of the times we read that wells in the Bible about young women who fetched the water. Do you know that? Young women went to fetch the water. Not old women, men, or young women. That was apparently their duty. But see, that's where young men also waited for them. It was a place of courtship. That's where they looked for a bride. That's where they, they fellowshiped and they courted. At a place of life. At a place and a source of intimacy. See, it's interesting, interesting to see that Moses, Abraham, Jacob, the servant of Isaac, all found their spouses, their wives, their brides, at a well. At a well. You see, just like the men and women, we need to find true love with our Father at the well of intimacy. See, it's a place of true love with the Father. If you get married one day, who is your number one love I always say to my wife I said you know God is my number one love and you a close second <laughs> and she said thank goodness for that because <laughs> my intimacy with the father will draw into the intimacy that I have with my wife see it's so important I want to teach my daughters that they will find their true love with God first They'll find their true love with God first, with a place of intimacy with them. And then out of that place, God will give them a husband. That's where we start. We don't start with a place of love and intimacy where sex is everything. We start in a place of intimacy where friendship and a deepness in God's in our relationship is. I wish I knew that when I was a young student. And then lastly we read... That wells were the places of divine revelation in the Bible. The intimacy with God we find 
in intimacy with God, we find the most amazing revelations. It's that place at his feet that we experience miracles. That's that place at his feet where we experience when we have heartache, when he comes and soothes our, our, our pains, our emotions. It's that place in the word and in prayer that we find the true diamonds and rubies and riches of revelation in him. Why do we want to miss that? I want to sit at his feet. I want to make that moments where I meet my father and sometimes I've got a great intimate friendship moment with God in my car from my house to town. But it's so much greater when I can dive into that well in an hour, hour and a half of prayer and reading and worship. It's so amazing. So as we can see, it's that wells are truly a place of life, physically and spiritually for people in biblical times. There was a spiritual meaning to wells, but they had, they had to rely on wells for physically staying alive. Now I want to finish today by reading the first story. And I want to dive into our series. And, and it's a couple of scriptures, about 10 verses in Genesis about Isaac. And then I want to come back to the vision that I saw a year or so ago. Now, let's read it together. It says, When Isaac planted his crop that year, he, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, um, herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that, that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to the, the Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells of his, his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. So it wasn't the first time the Philistines filled these wells. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. So Isaac's servants also dug in Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Essek which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sidna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one also, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. So he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. Now that's quite a mouthful, but it shows us the, the story of Isaac following the wells of his father and creating his own wells. Now Isaac was a rich man, he had great wealth, and it caused jealousy with the Philistines. Now because of his power and wealth, the Philistines trying to ruin him, they were so jealous that they filled up his wells with dirt. They said, we're going to cancel the life that your family has. You think you've got everything. 
So let's cancel you. Let's see what you do if you don't have the water source that you need. So then Isaac's uncle came to him and said, listen, maybe you should move. We're going we're gonna to have issues with the Philistines. We don't want a war. So maybe just, maybe, maybe you're too powerful. Maybe just move away. So Isaac, a good man of God, righteous man, said, okay, let's move away. And he moved away to a, a place where his father Abraham lived once with wells that was also filled up with dirt by the Philistines. Now sometimes life can throw us curveballs. I don't know about you. When you think everything's going just amazing. Oh man, I'm rich, I'm wealthy. I've got a hundredfold blessing harvest. Everything is so amazing and then suddenly some, something happens. Or maybe you just, stuff are just, things are just tough in your life. And you don't know how am I going to navigate through these things. But God always have a plan, depending on where our intimacy with Him is at. Now, the moment where things don't go as planned, then usually the enemy comes with more challenges, more things. I don't know if you, one thing happens and then suddenly there's only there's three, more, four things. It's like, where does all these things come from? Now, the enemy will always try to fill our place of intimacy with dirt so that we struggle to find God in that moment. Always. He will always come in a place where you feel everything is fine, your relationship with God is fine, and all the challenges will come, and suddenly you start struggling finding God in a place of intimacy. We struggle to pray, we struggle to read the Word. We just struggle. Now the amazing thing that Isaac did, and this is the first thing that hit me when I read this, when he moved away, the first thing he did, he looked for wells. That was the first thing he did. He had such importance in his life on the life source, on the intimacy, on that place of life that he needed. That's the first thing he went to. You see, whenever we get to a place where we struggle, when things are tough, when we don't know where do we go, Lord, do I need to do this? Do I need... What's the first thing we look for? We look for outcome instead of intimacy. Lord, just give me an outcome. But what God wants is He just wants your intimacy. He just wants that place of friendship where you long for Him. That's why Matthew 6.33 says, First seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then everything of those things that you need and that you want and that you trust for will be added to you. See, when we move away from the land, from our land to find a new home, the first thing that we need to do when we move away from a place of comfort into a place of discomfort, we need to be like Isaac. It's like, Lord, I need that place of intimacy with you. He knew the first thing. Isaac knew the first thing he needed was a life source. He needed that life that God would give. But then adversity came again. He dug a well. It's not easy to dig a well. It takes time. It takes effort. Your slaves work. Your servants have to work for that thing. And the shepherds came and said, sorry, that's our water. I mean, if it were me, if I were Isaac's like, so where were you when we dug the well? Why didn't you come and help? But now that we finished, now you want to come and take it. See, we will never find true intimacy through strife and works. So what did Isaac do? He decided not to fight them and move on. And just find another place of intimacy. 
So he dug another well. What happened? The shepherds came again and said, sorry, this is our well. And he decided, okay, I'm going to trust God. And he moved on to a place where he dug a well. And, and finally, God says, this is the place where we will prosper. He called it a place where we will prosper because this is the place where I found my true intimacy. I didn't choose to fight. I didn't choose to stand on, on what is right and wrong. I just moved on until I found that place of true intimacy with the Father. That true friendship where I can tell Him everything. When I can pour my heart out. See, when I saw that vision 18 months ago, God started showing me why it was necessary to dig the well deeper. Why is it necessary to dig your well deeper when it's empty? So when, it was actually quite funny, in that time we were in a drought. And I spoke to one of the, what do you call it, uh, environmentalists in town. And he said that, did you know that usually when, you, when they bored for water in Stellenbosch, 50 meters, 35 to 50 meters they hit water. Now they have to bore 100, 120 meters at least before they find a water source. So he said to me, Henny, the, the water level, the, the water tafel, I don't know what do you call it in English, the water level has dropped as the drought. So we've been using so much of the underground water sources that the water level has dropped. So whenever you're in a well and you've got a well and the water level dropped, the, the, the well dry out. Whenever you go through challenges in your times, it's like drought and wilderness, the water level drop. So then we need to dig deeper. We need to get into that place of, said, Lord, I need you on my knees. I take the word. I said, Lord, I'm going through these tough things. I need more word in my life, Lord. I pray through it. I pray through it. As you pray and read your word, you dig that well deeper within you. To find God in that place of intimacy when it hurts. When you feel that I want to kill people because of offense. I, want to, I'm, I feel so vi um, violated because of this and this and this in my life. But all you need to do is just dig deeper until you find that water source. And, as, as, and whenever you find that water source and you can nourish yourself with the intimacy that God gives, whenever the water level restores, and it will restore, Guess what happens? The capacity of your place of intimacy is greater. The capacity of your place and the well of intimacy that God has given you is greater. What happens then? I can give more. I can draw more. And sometimes we're in a place of wilderness, we're in a place of drought, and I've said, Lord, why me? And the Lord says, I just need a deeper place that's got more intimacy and more capacity for intimacy with me. But we see it as like, oh Lord, I'm just going, why do I always have to go through all these tough things? And we sit content at a dry well and say, well, this is probably how it is. I'm just content, Lord. Maybe I'm just, that's fine. This is probably how it is. Maybe when it rains again, Lord, I'll have good times with you. I can experience your presence again. <laughs> no. No matter if the rain comes or not, we need to dig deeper to find more of God. You see, the biggest challenge that we face in tough, dry times is that most Christians become satisfied with a dry well. I've been there. I'll be honest. 
been reading my Bible for weeks and weeks and weeks and pray and I just experienced nothing and I'm just satisfied and content with just like maybe God's presence or just somewhere but I don't experience it. <laughs> but see, when God says dig deeper, I want a greater capacity for you. I want a greater capacity for you whenever you hit tough times so that you can give instead of run empty. So whenever you have broadened your well and deepened it in a time of drought. Whenever drought comes, what happens? You will have a water supply. Because yeah. your capacity is greater because you put in and you duck that, wheel, that well deeper. And then you can sit with people and you can nourish people. You can disciple them. Yeah. You can help them. You can pray. You can encourage where nobody else can. That's why Paul said, don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving give you requests to God. And then he says that I will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. It's in a place where a well is full, where the capacity is greater that you can have peace without understanding. It's like, how can you have peace in a place like, in a situation like this? God wants us to get a greater capacity for him. It's exactly where the enemy wants us to sit at the dry well and be complacent and happy and satisfied. If you're here today and if, you, if you're sitting and listening to what I'm saying and you don't feel satisfied with your place of intimacy with God, I want to encourage you to dig deeper. To dig deeper. To go and sit with Him. I've been listening, I've been working through a... Um, a devotional thing on you version that says growing in your intimacy just because I'm so into this now Lord I want to grow in my intimacy it's my heart's cry I want to have a greater capacity for God and, and the first devotional that I said said find your sitting place find a place where you can sit every morning or maybe every evening whatever you find that sitting place with your word and just sit there and experience God and it was so amazing because I was intentional. I found my sitting place. And wherever I sit there, I can experience immediately. I can just like, oh Lord, they, wow. You are actually with me all the time. And then I open the word or sometimes I put worship music on and I just sit there. So how do we dig deeper? We find that sitting place where we can, where we can find the place of intimacy with the Father. To open our capacity to receive more from Him. I want to encourage you in this week and the weeks to come to, to trust God. Say, Lord, how can I dig deeper? Sometimes, you know how I feel I need to dig deeper when I work with people. Now, we work, I work with people a lot and I love to sit with people. I love to drink coffee. Whenever I get tired very quickly, I realize my capacity is not broad enough. I need to give more constantly. So how do I give more, Lord? I open my well. I open that well. Sometimes in worship, you can open a well by just sitting in worship and just say, Lord, oh, I, just, I just love sitting in your presence. Sometimes we feel we need to do things. We need to read that Bible. We need to pray. We need to march up and down. But sometimes just to sit at his feet. Martha and Mary. Martha was working and toiling and she was doing right because she had to feed Mary. We're just sitting... Just experience the water of the well of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can you stand? I want to pray for us this morning.
Lord, I pray for a hunger for each of us to experience more of you. Lord, to dig deeper so that we can get to a place of capacity for the Father so that we see more, we experience more, that we, Lord, that we, that we can see how out of a place of intimacy you sort out the stuff in our lives. And that's in this place where you draw us closer, Father. Lord, I thank you this morning that I pray that every one of us here, Lord, even those who are listening to this sermon on, on audio, Lord, I pray that that now, Holy Spirit, you will deepen this well and that you will show us your longing to broaden our capacity to have more of you, Father.